Mrs. Mooney's Half-Pinned presents Down the Rabbit Hole, The Paranormal and Beyond. There, there we go. All right. Hello, everyone out there in wherever you're watching from, Facebook. I guess it's Facebook for the most part, um, possibly on my website. But uh, here we are, Down the Rabbit Hole. And this week we're doing strange, unusual, unique, different Yuletide traditions or at least things tied to Yuletide. So we thought today we'd actually choose some topics, subjects, so that we're not quite so random. So we're going to talk about uh, Agari Lude or Mari Lude, depending on where you are and how you say it. It's a uniquely fun, quite narrow... (laughs) (laughs) location Welsh Yuletide tradition so it really only happens in one area of South Wales but it's it's kind of a cool thing and they're bringing it back and we're going to go and we're going to jump from the UK we're going to go to Iceland and we're going to talk about Gryla and then we're going to talk about the Yule cat and then we're going to go to the Ukraine and we're going to talk about their tradition of the spider web and the spider and trees Christmas trees And then we're going to go to Portugal and we're going to talk about uh, the Portuguese tradition of setting a table, a place setting predominantly at breakfast time for your deceased relatives. So it kind of has an interesting tie in to what we might consider All Souls Day and Day of the Dead, but they do this at Christmas time. Oh, wow. Yeah, so kind of cool. So we've got an hour, essentially, to to talk about these things. So I guess what we want to kind of start with, well, I want to start with is... Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> this is a little out of my league this time. Um, yeah, is, tied. Is, uh, is, uh, yeah, you know, is the idea of the... the Agari Lud, if you're in speaking Gaelic, um, or Mari Lud, or Mary Lloyd, depending on, again, where you come from. But it's really Agari Lud is sort of the pronunciation of Welsh. Hopefully I'm saying that right without the Gaelic side to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's kind of a fun, freaky... It is. It's, I had never heard of it before you oh, mentioned no. it. So I feel a bit guilty about that because oh, I'm from yeah. England. But in, in Well, yeah, but England, they, you know, that part, the Wales has their own thing, right? So They certainly do. Yes, they know, do. They are, they are their own entity unto themselves, like Scotland yes. and, and Ireland. And, and yes. while things get shared sort of between everywhere, um, they have this amazing, very huge, creature and really what that means is gray horse so it's not like it's some weird you know um strange name it's just the language right it's in welsh so but they're trying to mock it's a it's a they're trying to portray a horse is that right well Um, yeah so the idea really for this is it's it's and there's no real timeline for this it just kind of happens between what we would consider now Christmas and New Year's Eve um, in, you know, days when it may have been previously practiced, it would have been more Yule tied perhaps, but that's kind of the interesting thing with this story because this, this being, this idea 
is that it really was never even mentioned in writing until the late 1700s. So we don't know exactly how old this belief is. A lot of people want to sort of tie it back to pagan traditions, and it probably has some bearing on it. But whether or not it really goes that far back, we don't know. But it's kind of a cool thing. So it's either, you know, gray horse, white horse. Well, there's no such thing as a white horse. Even a white horse that looks white is a gray horse. Uh, um, But it's kind of an interesting thing because the white horse itself has a very powerful symbol in the UK. So we know that on the hillside, we have the giant chalky you know, ancient white horse symbol. It's massive, right? If you're in a helicopter or a plane, you can see it. It's huge. And horses have played a predominant role in the culture for thousands and thousands of years. So it's not surprising that this idea, you know, came forward somewhere in drunken revelry, because I'm going to (laughs) say this is probably where this idea came from, right? Hey, (laughs) So well, on, on Wassel and yeah. off they go. So right. the idea here, if for people that don't know, and I'm sure you guys at least had a chance to look it up, is the idea was once upon a time it was just men. Women didn't do this because women were at okay. home looking after the kids, right? So right. the men or the younger men in the village in the area would gather and they'd have lots to drink. And mm-hmm. they'd have this idea of the of Arilud, which is a horse's skull on top of a stick, so much like a hobby horse, you know, that we, we know as kids. But in reality, this is an actual horse's skull. And the jaw was able to move on it. So they wired the jaw so that it could move. And then from there, they would drape a piece of cloth behind the head, they decorate it sometimes with greenery and vines and maybe even if there were some last vestiges of floral available, that would end up on the on the head. Um, they'd often give it false ears. So they'd make some ears and even perhaps put eyeballs back into the skull. So, you know, just, not wild. Yeah. And the, the idea was, is that you would go door to door. And of course, they, it's a form they'd of carry muscle. it around the community. Yes, and around the community. Carrying the life so, out of everybody. Well, I mean, yeah, no, it's kind of fun, right? Much like Wassel, where you would go door to door and sing, get a drink. This is the same idea, only this Merry time, Christmas. showing up with this horse. And usually there's a person holding the pole, and then they're draped with this piece of cloth, and they're going along. And they would get to the house and you would knock on the door and you would sing a little song because there's a little song that goes along with this. And it's a banter back and forth between the persons in the house. And the jaw of the horse moved. So they would move it with their hand and it would make that clacking like the skull teeth clacking together. Clack, 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 clack. Gotcha. And while they're singing this little song and it's sort of, you know, it's a banter back and forth. So you're asking questions, going back and forth and the person in the house and there's these smart alecky sort of quips and, and, you know, sarcasms that are passed back and forth. And if you open the door, the horse will actually, you know, push its way into the house. And oh, then wow. it would go around the house. And in order to appease it, um, you know, you, you're, you're supposed to um, give it food or give it, you know, good things to drink or eat. And so this it's is like the idea. It's like trick-or-treating at Christmas time. 
Yes, yes that's right. exactly right. Yeah. Only a few more beers. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, exactly right. <laughs> Going around, you know, begging for alcohol at Christmas time, right? Hmm. But it, it kind of goes back to, to um, a class thing as well, right? Because the upper class people wouldn't have done this. This is more something for lower class people who didn't have much money and maybe didn't have a lot to celebrate at that time of year. And this was their way of having fun and, you know, going door to door and bringing some of that Christmas holiday spirit with them as they went. But I, I love the fact that you, you know, you, this, this horse skull fun it's just a bit of fun it's, it, i imagine it to be very lighthearted. if i know the Welsh, they love to celebrate over yeah, everything idea, well and the idea is to outsmart it right and that's yes. kind of the whole thing that um that goes along with the story is that you're supposed to be able to outsmart the avarilud and therefore you know if you do outsmart it then you don't have to give it anything and it gets kicked out of your house or, you know, away from the door <laughs> or whatnot. But it's really, um, it's really just all about the drinking, right? <laughs> Woohoo! That's, what, that's what I need to be about this year. <laughs> it's really all about the drinking. And yeah, well, and that's it, right? It's, you know, there's, there's some really sort of fun, um, and again, too, you have to think about it, right? I know a lot of people kind of want to naysay the concept now. There's There seems to be this push this year with people going, well, you know, the Yule or the solstice really wasn't that important to pagan people going back. And, you know, it really isn't about oh, no, the longest great. day of the year and the bringing back of the light. But I don't know about that. I, I tend to think that it's still, you know, there's some of that and it being some of the darkest nights of the year. Um, and that is the longest night of the year on, on solstice that, yeah, you know, it, it has something to do with it. But um, I just want to read a little bit here because this is actually from Wales.com. So this tells us sort of what happens traditionally okay. and it's, Ari's taken around the village traditionally, often between Christmas Day and the Twelfth Night. She, because it's always a female it, horse, right, it's a mare, is dressed with festive lights and decorations and usually accompanied by an ostler. Um, and it happens mostly in the Swansea Valley. So other folk carrier, characters like a jester or a lady actually go along. Um, it sort of ties together with mummers' plays and the traditions of the working class. And so when the groups get to a house or the group with the with the Avarilud, they sing a Welsh language song or a wassail song and traditionally indulge in a ritual called Frinkle. And it's an exchange of rude rhymes with the person who lives there. So Yay. the and her gang get entry. The household is said to have good luck for the year. So if they actually get in your house, that's considered good luck. The Avari is well known to be Ooh. mischievous and tries to steal things and chases people. So it's often remarked that she'll chase kids around and, and you know, sort of the, the fun things there. But um, the traditions changed over the years, of course, and it died out for quite some time. And what I find interesting now is that it's been brought back by women. Oh, so 
Now, that's oh, interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. even better now. I can't imagine this bunch of women having a few drinks <laughs> running around. We need to do this. We need to do this next year, Sika. Let's go for I it. Think we do. I, you know what? I think that Let's take this up. if we get through this <laughs> pandemic, there's yes. no holes barred for everything, exactly. right? It's just like, you know what? I'm rolling yeah. out the Arari Lewis. We're going to go door to door. We're going <laughs> to. I will wear the get up and be the horse. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right, but we'll go out and we'll do this. It, yeah. it's just, it sounds, you know, it's one of those things that we don't often hear about here because Christmas in North America has become pretty mundane. It's gotten really commercial and it's just all about, you know, getting presents now and gifts and things. And I think a lot of the fun old traditions are missing that even our grandparents did that we don't do today. Like I know Wassel, like did the, my grandmother said when she was young that they used to go door to door in their community. She lived in Surrey and they used to sing. The kids would all get together and go out and they would do that on Christmas Eve and they would go around and they would sing door to door and they weren't really expecting anything in return. It was just something that you got together and you did. And it was kids as young as like seven or eight and up to, you know, 20. And you would kind of gather in a group and you would go door to door. And there were other things that she said um, that were pretty traditional for her family that uh, had really nothing to do with what we do at all today. You know, it was the making of a plum pudding. A lot of people don't make a plum pudding anymore. And, you know, it's not a big deal to bring that, you know, that flame, you pour the brandy over it and light it on fire and bring it to the table. And, you know, then you would. Did you call it a plum pudding? I think we call it a plum pudding. Well, a fruitcake is kind of different, though. It's not the same thing, right? Plum pudding is steamed. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I make one traditionally every year. My dad loves them, right? My dad's from from Exeter and he loves plum pudding. And so it's one of those things you make it and it's it's kind of like a Christmas cake, but you steam it. So it's much softer. But when you pour the alcohol over it and you light that on fire, it gets this beautiful, you know, sort of caramelized outer bit on it. And then you would serve it with a hard custard sauce or not hard custard sauce if you're giving it to kids, because, you know, it was all about the alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds delicious. I I know I can remember the smell as a child of the Christmas puddings. um, Yes, and and that's just it, right? And those puddings were made from things on hand. So even a traditional plum pudding is just raisins and currants and, like, dried fruit and breadcrumbs with molasses and you know it's and it's the easiest recipe with maybe some cinnamon or nutmeg or you know whatever you had on hand and you would just combine that all with fat lard or butter depending on how rich you were or poor you were and that would be put into a steamer and made into a pudding right so the brandy pouring that alcohol over it was what really pushed it over the top for people right because most of the time you didn't you couldn't afford those things but I think that this tradition is sort of with that old tradition of, you know, the singing door to door. But in this case, you're you're using rude rhymes. Hey, (laughs) that sounds very Welsh. (laughs) Well, even uh, mince pies. uh, 
I remember as a kid, my grandmother always made mince pies at Christmas. Oh, yes. And, That's and, like really and, big and, in it. Do, do, do people still do that? Fruit, or did she actually yeah. use the meat? They do, yeah. Because I haven't, I haven't even seen one of those since I was a little kid. Oh, my God. My Ooh. mom makes them every year. My mother makes mince pies every year. The difference is the mince pies nowadays are not the mince pies even from the Victorian era because those were meat-based with fruit. Right. And now they don't put the meat in it. So if you make it at home, you can you can actually make it meat based and then you add the fruit to that. And it's really delicious. Right. It's very to me, it has a very Mediterranean flavor to it, uh, like a ground lamb dish that would have raisins and, and spices in it. But, you know, it's just something. So this there's one fun, unusual, strange tradition. Right. So the you have the Avari. Lude, and uh, you can actually check that out online. I mince pies to... brought back a lot of memories for me as well, Ian, because mm -hmm. that's something we're yeah. very big on in England. Mince yeah. pies, and my nan, yeah, my nan, yeah. my nan. Well, like I said, my mother makes them every yeah. year, and even though we're not going to her house, I was talking to her the other day. She's making mince pies for my dad. So. Oh, oh, how <laughs> lovely is that? <laughs> yeah so she's making her mince, her mince tarts or her mince pies so yeah so there's a fun a fun little one right. so let's hop over to Iceland now because it's not that far yeah. from, <laughs> it's not that far from there mm -hmm. and we have Gryla so what did you guys find out about Gryla did you find out anything interesting about Gryla? The, the first mention of um of that is a, of Gryla is in a 17th century poem Called the poem of Gryla, um, but they had but Gryla had appeared in older tales um, more as a troll, um, right, right. but it, it had not been linked to Christmas before that particular poem. And uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Gryla is described as a hideous being um, who is the mother of the gigantic Yule lads who are a menace to children. Right. And the idea there was Gryla and her husband would come down from the mountains in the, you know, the, the around the solstice, usually right. The dead of night. And they would scoop up all the naughty children and put them in their sack and take them back home and make a stew out of them. Right. So right. much like Krampus, it's a, it's the idea of, you know, naughty children it's kind of keeping them in line right because you're going to tell them well Gryla's right. coming right if you're not good Gryla's going to come and she's going to take you and uh, that and I don't know if you guys have seen the chilling adventures of Sabrina the new the newer I, one I mean to watch it it's, it's on my list <laughs> yeah so it's actually kind of cool that they brought they brought Gryla in and and they keep her very much in line with the traditional idea of Gryla so even though she doesn't look completely hideous and she's not massive like a troll, the, the whole story still plays out in terms of, of what she does. Now, Gryla, it's interesting because Gryla is one of those things that um, kind of goes hand in hand with the Yule Cat. Meow, meow. Uh, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> because it's sort of the... The Yule Cat's attached to an, sort of that special group of what they would consider supernatural creatures or beings um, in post-medieval Icelandic folklore. 
right? So Gryla being an ogress or a troll woman. Uh, so, and that's it. The Yule lads, there's 13 of them. So we can kind of come into, you know, the number 13, 13 moons in a, in a year, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's, it sort of ties in with all of that as well. But she comes down on Christmas Eve with her Yule cat in tow as well. And the Yule cat also devours naughty children. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's, know it's one of those so things. Children. Yeah, so, and, and the cat often gets depicted as a black cat nowadays, but I'm sure, you know, going back, it would have just been any, you know, I don't know about a black cat per se. But obviously, it would have been a Norwegian forest cat because those were the types of cats that were domesticated and brought to Iceland with them. So they're already considerably large cats, right? You know, they're pretty good size. I mean, if you know a Maine Coon cat now, they're supposed to be a cross between a Norwegian forest cat and a a domestic, you know, sort of a domesticated cat. cat and that's where you sort of get the main coon cat so just add some more girth and a little bit larger size to it and you get this you know beautiful norwegian forest cat that uh, likely would have been more attached to this but it's interesting too because uh, there is actually a, a saga poetry from snorri strolsen which goes back to the medieval era and it does mention Gryla there alongside other troll women. So we do go back to the essentially the medieval period with the story. But the word troll is, as they say, it's kind of extremely vague and it doesn't really, oh. you know, it doesn't it's really characterize giant. one specific creature. But they're always hideous. They're always really, really strong. And they're often cannibalistic. So... <laughs> so now you've got a cat added into the story as well, right? So, right. Um, but, and just looking at this too, it's Gryla doesn't get attached to the Yule lads until the 17th century. And Gryla oh. then becomes less fearsome and frightening and less troll like and more mm-hmm. witch like, which is how the cat likely gets brought into the story. Brought into it, right? yeah. So, yeah. Well, there's so another kind of interesting a... um, story out of Norway mm-hmm. in that folklore that I don't even know if it's still done today or not, um, whether that has progressed into, into today's civilization. But <laughs> um, at, at Christmas time, you talk integrating that story um, with her being a witch, mm-hmm. that everyone in Norway, if you've got a broom on the outside of your yes. house, they are yeah. brought inside hidden away so that so that the witches cannot come down from the mountains out of their caves right. and That's take right. your brooms yeah and take your broom and and fly away on it and, and do terrible things right so yeah that's that is something that's still still tied in there but um there's an interesting little i want to say prose piece of prose that goes with the yule cat and it says if he faintly meowed outside, the misfortune was soon to happen. Everyone knows that he fed on men, but mice he would not eat. 
So that's the English translation. I won't do it in Norse because you nobody will understand it. But if, unless there's somebody from Norway listening, uh, <laughs> but that's sort of the idea of the Yule cat, right? The cat is not a nice cat, and you know, Gryla has kind of changed and shifted gears over the years to something more witch-like and less troll-like, but nonetheless, still kind of a scary figure and a little bit. Um, for me, like the old Germanic stories of Hansel and Gretel, right? The the Brothers Grimm's and the stories of, you know, Hansel and Gretel being taken by the witch and, you know, locked in cages and fattened up so that she could roast them in the oven and eat them, right? So, <laughs> Fun times! <laughs> well, you know, fairy tales were really stories of warning for children, That's right? True. They weren't Disney-fied yeah. and they weren't all happy endings. Oh, no. The that's what I love about them. Yeah, the Brothers Grimm story tales yeah. in their original forms or something else, which is great. I love them. I love the old, original, old original fairy tales and folk stories. To me, they're so much more interesting than the Disney stuff. Um, and you know what? Quite truthfully, kids need a little fear in their lives. <laughs> they do. <laughs> it's they not do fluffy these days. pillows. Yeah. Everything is not fluffy and light these days no and you know i think that what's happening now um, being a parent myself and rachel and you know we're all parents <laughs> yeah. is that you know depending on how you raise your kid but i mean i always raise my kids to be pretty street smart and savvy and like what's really going on in the world kind of situation you have to you know, by the time they were about eight or nine, I, I was no longer, it was no more fluffy bunnies and, you know, those kinds of things, right? It was like, okay, that's right. World, right? Um, yeah. And I think that these old stories were a way to teach children without terrifying them beyond belief, but still, you know, putting enough of a scare into them to let common sense kick in, which I think lacks right. in a lot of today. Oh, I kids. think I agree. I, I agree. Although it doesn't seem to be any common sense anymore but you know that being said um i i like these stories now this one is a little bit different i want to talk about now we're going to go to the ukraine now and talk about the story of the spider and the christmas tree because this Ooh. one is you know people who don't like spiders may not like this story but <laughs> i will <laughs> see <laughs> this one's more sweet right okay In terms of it's a it's a nice story. It kind of has a a nice you know feel to it, even though there's a spider involved. So it's kind of the story. There was an old widow who lived in a cramped hut, and with her children outside their home was a big pine tree. And from the tree dropped a pine cone that would start to grow. And so the children were really excited about the prospect of having their own Christmas tree from this pine cone. So they tended to it. And they ensured that it would continue to grow strong until it was big enough for them to bring it as a Christmas tree into their home. But again, they were very poor. And so although they had a Christmas tree, they couldn't afford to decorate it. So they didn't have any ornaments or anything fancy that they could buy. And so on Christmas Eve, the widow and the children, they went to bed knowing that they had a bare Christmas tree. And, you know, so Christmas morning, they would wake up and it would still be the same. But uh, the spider that was living inside their home heard the sobs of the children and decided that they would not leave the Christmas tree bare. 
So there were the spiders inside. It must be my house because like I'm inundated with spiders. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. I live beside the water, so you can't get away from them. But <laughs> so the right. spiders, what's that? What was that? Oh, I think the spider webs can be really beautiful, but I'm I'm not a spider person. You're not a fan? So, no. <laughs> but oh, my grandmother was a famous spider killer. If they were, they were fair game. Oh, she was a master at eliminating spiders out of the house. But I don't, I'm not one of those people that has to kill them. I gotta, I just want them out the house. I'm not going to be mean about it. But but you know, there are spiders that are house spiders, and there are outdoor spiders. So if you put house spiders outside, they die. That being said, I didn't know that. (laughs) Now I do. Put me on the family. And so they created beautiful webs on the Christmas tree overnight, decorating it with beautiful patterns. And so when the children woke up in the morning, they saw these beautiful, you know, spun spider webs all over the tree. And of course, with the glistening light in the window, the sun was shining. It was all sparkly. So the sun showed this gorgeous, you know, array of different, spider webs all through the tree in silver and gold and so therefore it made them much happier that morning and also Uh, you know gave them something to look forward that sort of magic of christmas so it says the widow never felt poor instead she was always grateful for the wonderful gifts that she had in her life and the wonderful gifts that the spiders provided so there's a twist on what most people think spiders are hideous creatures that should be removed from the house. But maybe if you leave them alone, they'll decorate your tree for you. <laughs> and I've read that um, the the story you just said, um, reading it here, it also says that um, it was thought to have brought good luck as well. Yes, exactly. And so it was considered good luck to have this happen. So while we kind of fear spiders, you know, they, they have their purpose and obviously very much so in, in the world. And without them, we probably have more icky, nasty bugs than yes. know, we need. Um, spiders are pretty good at, at doing their job there. But the idea is, and, and they do have some miraculously beautiful webs. I mean, I love going outside and looking at the garden, the orb spiders. And they spin those massive webs between the trees. And I always walk through them. I don't love it when, because I live by the water, we have so many spiders that overnight, my car is literally covered in spider webs. So perhaps... Sorry, that's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) It must look really fascinating, though. It must look really wild and beautiful. It would, because you're living right there by the water, but you get up there in the morning, you go outside, Mm -hmm. you've still got that morning dew. Do and it's all caught in the webs. It just brings it to life. It does, and there's the sun shining on it, so they're really glistening. But then they're attached from the mirror of my car to my door handle to. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Almost every summer, a spider resides in my mirrors on both sides of my car. It doesn't matter. There's one side of the other. 
even if you get rid of the web the next day, or even when you go inside and you come back out a few hours later, there's the web starting again. They spin it between the windows and the, and the, and the mirror. They're away trade you because uh, when I go up in the morning, I get nothing but bird crap on my car. So. <laughs> Spider webs, but they're Keep everywhere. Real, yeah. they're all over. Like we have huge, huge garden spiders, and for the most part, I just leave them be. But inside my house, I get loads of spiders. And in the summertime, the ones that are not welcome are the wolf spiders because we get those inside quite a bit. And then those ones I have by my front door now because they run in, right? They did. I when you open the door, I guess they just scurry in, and you don't really see them because you're walking in carrying something you're not paying attention or where I am I get a sort of a, a vortex of leaves and things always by my front door so we've had a snake come in the house oh no oh no and it was all it was curled just up a in the leaves snake. and the sun shines there yes we had a little like just a little brown snake right came in the house. really bite we, we, the <laughs> We had loads of spiders. And so I can appreciate this. Now, I don't think any spiders have decorated my tree this year, though. So, Aww. Yeah. Well, most of the house spiders, I think they go into hibernation because I end up going around with my shop back and sucking those little silken, you know, things off of the corners of my ceiling from the spiders. But yeah, in the summer, I counted actually this summer one day, I was like, well, there seems to be a lot of spiders in the house and they coexist yeah. with each other because just in my front entrance, there was 27 spiders. Wow. <laughs> Living in, you know, down at the corner, up at the ceiling and it was, yeah, they're everywhere. My boot rack, it didn't matter where they were just there. So yeah. So if you don't like spiders, you will not like my house because in the summertime, <laughs> inundated with them. If you didn't want to invite me over, you only had to say. (laughs) (laughs) So far, like I said, I haven't had any on my team. There's no need to be passive aggressive, Seeker. (laughs) (laughs) Come to my house, see my spiders. I have lots. Please forgive me, everybody. I'm sorry, I'm losing it. Entrance, I have a I have yeah. a plastic a plastic container with a thin uh, piece of cardboard. So when the wolf mm-hmm. spiders get in, I just like trap and you know scoop them up and take them back outside and dump them outside, right? But right. Uh, I have woken up not here at my old house actually many years ago. I just some sense I woke up three o'clock in the morning and I just happened to look down and there was a wolf spider on my bed. Oh. I used to bring them home with me when I was at Ren Fair and I'd put my bag down on the ground and they'd get in the bag and I guess when I come home and I drop it down and then they'd get in the house right oh no that's awful but here they're just they're just all over the place here you see lots of them here they're they're pretty common and the big water like dock type spiders too we have those big furry you know baby tarantula type spiders (laughs) oh fun I had an anthropology professor that had one right in her office that she thought was super cool. And she'd found it under the sink and uh, it was really big. And she was so impressed by this spider that she put it in a tank and kept it. And uh, yeah, it was that. That's kind of funny. I mean, we're kind of lucky here where we are because we only have the black widow, really. I mean, we have a brown recluse, but you very rarely, you know, you get bit by those things. But you know, in Australia and that, they're just for everything. Oh, yeah. Everything yeah. in Australia will kill you. 
Yes. That Not is just so spiders. True. That's so true. I have heard that. I have heard that. No, yeah. No, no, big, big nope there. Big nope. Mm. <laughs> so from there, let's take a little, a little um, move over to Portugal. Because I find it interesting that, as I was saying, Portugal yeah. happens to have this Christmas tradition mm-hmm. where they do a dinner and it's typically, you know, they often their Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve features cod, which is one of their national dishes. And it's served with cabbage and potatoes, carrots and eggs, like it was back in the old days. Mm-hmm. Um, now, today, a lot of people do like turkey and cod's probably on a, you know, somewhat lesser uh, um, availability than it used to be. But the idea here that's kind of interesting is this Christmas breakfast that they have where they will often set place settings out for the dead. So I find that kind of a neat, uh, a neat thing, right? They're inviting their ancestors back to take part in their I don't find that morbid. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's morbid at all. Like, I, I don't find that offensive. I think, in a way, I think you're it's a way of honoring them and saying, hey, we remember you and you're still here with us. Right. You know? And I think it's, it's quite... it does sort of go to that, you know, and you, if you're so inclined as well, right, you would put however many extra place settings for deceased relatives. So depending, I suppose, on, you know, how big your table is, how many it could accommodate... Or perhaps you even set up a separate table that's for, you know, for that, right? For the deceased. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like bringing the ghosts of Christmas past <laughs> back to the table, but, uh, you know, serving them. And, and again, yeah, you know, it's just a way to remember people that have passed. Well, it's like you I guess it off the top. It's um, it's sort of like the the Day of the Dead ceremony. Yeah, right. Um, there there are those cultures that believe that uh, with the winter solstice and and Christmas time, that paranormal activity is actually very enhanced mm-hmm. at this time period, and it makes sense, at least to me as a paranormal researcher, why cultures would would undertake such a, a a thing of setting up place settings and um we've done that ourselves actually there's a um uh, a little boy spirit that uh, we've encountered in our investigations who has attached himself to us uh which is fine because he's a very nice little boy and we do that at Thanksgiving, at Christmas time. We set a place for him at the table because he's. We've sort of adopted nice. this little kid. Um, oh, he's wow. from um, about 1860 era, and okay. um, yeah. So I can I can relate to that. Yeah, I mean it's you know, and for me, um, my kids are half Chinese. And so in China as well, you know, revering the ancestors is very common. It most often takes place at Chinese New Year or at the harvest festival type time of year. But at the same time, because they don't really celebrate Christmas for the most part. I mean, even today, my youngest is living in Beijing. Um, It's 
Christmas is not really a thing in China. I mean, there are some Christian Chinese, but for the most part, um, most of them are over here now (laughs) in North America and other places. But in China, they don't really celebrate. But um, it's still a big thing to have that, uh, you know, that reverence for your ancestors, right? And I think it just depends on who you are. And again, it's one of those traditions that here falls by the wayside most often, unless you are one of those um, cultures that still considers it to be reverent. The weird thing that I find about the UK, seeing that, you know, half of my family is from there, is is that, (laughs) you know, they were very intent on pushing away a lot of these old traditions. You know, they once we got to the sort of the Victorian industrial revolution kind of thing, it was out with the old and in with the with the new. And, you know, they adopted, obviously, some traditions from other places because, I mean, the obviously royalty had been marrying, you know, French and German and for many years, (laughs) many centuries that, you know, some of those That's, things came over. But the Christmas well. tree came from in England is... Oh, Germany, uh, yeah. Yes, right, yeah. with uh, Philip. I believe, was right. it Albert? I apologize. It was uh, Victoria's Albert. Victoria, Victoria and Albert. Yeah, th- and they really made it. I mean, the funny thing is, though, you can look back like an Elizabethan period in Elizabeth. Um, she She brought some celebration back because there was a point where it was outlawed. Right. You could not celebrate right. Christmas. And that was, you know, Tudors. And I think with the Catholics, and... it was different from the Protestants. And, right. and uh, Queen Elizabeth was a Protestant. So um, mm-hmm. the way she wanted to celebrate Christmas was different than the way Queen Mary before her, her sister, That's right. That's right. who was and a Catholic. So, yeah, she yeah. was and a so staunch was Catholic. Thing. So she she wouldn't celebrate things. Right. And so we see that now still, you know, again, with different cultures, different ways. But I think that's kind of the interesting, but I find in the UK that they sort of got rid of a lot of the older ideas. And they kind of went with what Queen Victoria brought in. Yes, they did. And they, you know, from there, it, it sort of grew to the more commercial version of what we know today, too, right? Like, I guess that's right. That you know, the idea of Santa Claus is very North American in terms of the, the Coca-Cola Santa, as we talked about previously. Um, and he has different names, too, from what I yes, understand. Yes. Some people yes. call him Saint Nick, um, Fred Cole. Well, in the you know, UK, different... predominantly Saint Nicholas or Father Christmas. Right. Yes, right? that's we right. Santa Claus was not that's an American thing, really. Like, and, it, and then there's Sinterklaas and there's numerous other versions of, right. you know, depending on where you are. Um, but again, you know, that idea of the fat, jovial, ho, 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 kind of Santa, <laughs> you know, Coca-Cola brought forward, right? Because before that, when you look at the old pictures, it's more like St. Nick or Father Christmas, um, the Victorian greeting cards. He's more like... Um, a taller, you know, thinner person, um, often somewhat Odin-like in his depiction. Oh, right. right? But it was of, you know, like a longer sort of gray white beard and longer hair and, you know, dressed in different kinds of robes. They're not 
Christian robes. They're not, you know, it's, it's almost like you're, you're sort of mishmashing a lot of different pagan ideas together with that version of, of, you know, we call them Santa Claus now, but father, it was father Christmas. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But in North America, it's really just only ever been Santa Claus in terms of, you know, that started in the 1800s over here, the early 1800s, people were, you know, kind of changing their traditions in North America. And so we tend to be stuck in that very commercialized version of the holiday. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's unfortunate for a lot of our kids that they don't get to see the different ideas of the holiday I mean it is you know you yeah. about you celebrate what you celebrate because that's kind of what you're brought up on right you're kind of right. brought up kind of do what your parents do and so you don't really know I kind of like going back and digging into things right but then that's me because that's what I do but you know a lot of people just can't be bothered right but I couldn't care less to step in a mall and buy oh no right? It's not really something that I do. I mean, my kids, when they were younger, they got gifts, my mom and, and that would buy them gifts. But, you know, for I absolutely the most part, detest the mole Santa thing. Like, um, I, I yeah. see all these people standing there with a ton of crying kids. And I'm like, why? Why? Why are you doing it? Do, do even do they even know why they're doing it? You know, like, they, no. They got five no. seconds with Santa. They sit him on the lap. They run off. You know, that's and it. Get your photo taken. It's so ingrained. And it costs a fortune oh, to get does, your photo yeah. taken. With, oh, yeah, it does. You know, the old fat guy yeah. there sitting in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you're right. it's become, Eight mall Santas. Sorry. become a tradition to, you know, the mall Santas become a tradition <laughs> for people, right? And I mean, yeah. even I, when I was little, you know, I was born 1963. So I even, my mother's got pictures of me on mall Santa's lap. I never looked. <laughs> me too. Um, was I was back then. So I should say it was Simpsons downtown Toronto the big department store, Santa, and it was a lot nicer than it is now, right? It was like there was a whole oh. fairy village, like Christmas village and, and everything the was in the was that. store and you went there and it was kind of magical, right? It was, you know, you when you're a little kid, you get to see all these these things like the gingerbread houses and, and all of these things and the lights and all that. So it had a more magical feel to it. Today, it's just, to me, it's just cheap capitalism. But again, that's me, right? You know, yeah. it is what it is, and, and you make well, it what you You know, it's it. when you go to see Santa, this always got me when I was a kid. And it wasn't until later that this actually clued into me, because as a kid, I believed in Santa Claus and all that. Right. But so you'd go to the mall or Simpsons or wherever that Santa happened to be, and you go and you sit on his knee and Santa is supposed to know who you are. Correct. <laughs> right? he, he knows all the yeah. children in the world. And so you go to the mall or wherever you sit on his knee. And the first thing he says is, well, what's your name? Little boy. <laughs> um, hold on a second. Wait a minute here. <laughs> are you supposed to know? <laughs> Aren't you supposed to know that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and that's kind of the whole thing, right? Like, I know with me, I took my kids. Um, I have a picture of my oldest son 
sitting on Santa's lap. He's mm, about a year old because he was born December 13th. So it would be the following Christmas. So he's just a year old. And he's got the biggest, goofiest smile on his face. He just, you know, it was was funny. But my other kids were terrified. They did not like him. And I never made them go. Like, it wasn't like, okay, we're going to the mall. We're going to see Santa. (laughs) And frankly, if they didn't want to go, they didn't want to go. But they also grew up with, um, like, my, my first, my oldest son, his dad is German background. And so it was Christmas Eve and, and everything like that. They would have a dinner. We would go to his, his Oma Opa's house and, and he would have dinner and stuff with them. Um, my two other kids are half Chinese, so they don't celebrate really. Right. Like they, they really don't care. They that don't much, care right? about when it. They were little, they kind of didn't mind the gifts. Um, they like the dinner at my mother's house, but they don't like my kids don't buy gifts for anybody and we don't expect them to buy gifts. And I, you know, it's just that was kind of it. But I know that William in China, because it was when he went over there, he went over just after Christmas. He was 17, I guess, when he finished high school and went there. Um, I think he noticed, you know, not having the dinner and getting together with family. But now he has a girlfriend over there. And so she actually went out and bought a pink glitter tinsel tree. That's nice. <laughs> That's nice. Put up, right now, he's not even home this year because he's rehearsing for that TV show that he's on. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's she's going to fly. She was there this weekend. She's going to fly down to Shanghai again. And she said, you know, we'll do have a dinner or something. Right. But now she's funny because because she never used to celebrate at all. And now that she's with William, she kind of likes the idea of this, you know, That's this sweet. North American yeah, so it's kind of cute, you know, in, in that respect. But I don't know. I mean, I find these traditions, you know, like, let me ask you guys, like, Ian, when you were growing up, was there a particular tradition that maybe you remember that your family did or no, nothing? Uh, nothing out of Dinner, the, anything like that? out of the typical, what you right. expect these yeah. days. No, it's, you know, as a kid, I would go to see Santa. My grandfather was always the the one that took me to see Santa. Oh, okay. And again, you know, good memories of my grandparents. Aww. But mm-hmm. as I say, you know, you you go downtown and go to Simpsons and sit on Santa's right. knee. Yeah, and, the old and and again, you know, the first thing he says is, "Well, what's your name?" As a you know that that point aside, <laughs> it's it's just the whole experience as a as a little kid. The, yeah the the wonder of of christmas yeah the right. snow and the lights and santa and the reindeer and the elves and you're just caught yeah. up in this whole magical world right and that was really it when you were a kid it was it was kind of that magical feel of the lights and the you know the maybe the snow and all of the i mean snow i don't know kids nowadays we haven't had snow at christmas time for who knows you know you might get one year out of ten depending on where you are I know where I am it's not very common anymore to have snow at Christmas time and we're actually all outside applauding when it's 11 degrees going yeah we can sit outside oh my goodness (laughs) don't you love living in Canada (laughs) it's like yay we can sit outside on the deck and you know and and that on Christmas day but uh like for me I don't know I mean I grew up in my grandparents house and 
it was kind of a different mishmash of things because my grandmother was from England and it was fairly traditional, I guess, her Christmases. My grandfather- Did she uh, uh, make a turkey? I, I was just curious yes. to know. Because that, that's yeah, very, something we do in England is we, the turkey is the big deal at Christmas. Everyone gathered every time for the yes. turkey that my Nana used to make. Yeah, uh, but over here in, in the yeah, States, it's not too. so, I guess because they do Thanksgiving here. I think in a way that they treat that more like a Christmas where they do the big turkey for Thanksgiving yes, and, yeah, then, and then they downplay Christmas. Over there, right? So turkey yeah. was my grandmother and I mean once upon a time we had a pretty big extended family you know we had like my aunt my uncle and my other aunt and my cousins and everybody would all come over for a dinner but I mean everybody's grown now and you know we don't even do that my grandparents have passed away obviously and my mom and my my stepdad do have a dinner but that's really all we go over for. We go over, we hang out. And often then too, even, you know, it's just myself and, and Ed, my husband, and my my oldest son and my middle son, because my youngest son's been living in China five years, so he's never around. And my aunt might come down depending on the weather because she lives further north and has to drive. My brother rarely shows up because he lives hours and hours away too. So it's kind of now just a really small little dinner thing. But back when I was a kid growing up, I mean, everybody inundated my grandparents' house at, at you know, yeah. Christmas afternoon. And when I was a teenager, I would disappear and go to work because I didn't want to be. <laughs> I didn't want to deal with everybody. Oh, yeah, that family, that Christmas family drama. Happy to get out of the house and, and, you know, and go to work for the rest of the day and just be there because I worked 3 to 11. So it was like, bye, everyone, because we would eat very early, like usually about 1 o'clock. So I would eat and then I would leave for work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, by the time I was old enough to get out of the house, like at 14, I was just like, I was over that. My cousins were still really young then. They were like four and five. So it was like, you know, they could stay. And But I I just got kind of bored of it by the time I was a teen, like an early teenager. And you know, when my kids were little, yeah, it was different. But now it's like, yeah, you know, and this year, I know a lot of people are struggling because they feel, you know, like with, with COVID and you, you shouldn't be gathering and doing all these things. They kind of feel like it's the end of the world. But, you know, I guess for me, I'm not really that worried about it. Like I, yeah, you know, it's just another meal and you can do that when, you know, when we can. Right. But if you've got kids and stuff, it doesn't take away from celebrating at home. You're just not doing all the right. driving and all of the the visiting that you might be doing otherwise. Right. right Which, that's true. You know, again, I'm okay with Slowed right okay. down. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a recluse now. I'm totally I like it. at home. You know, I don't <laughs> have to try, drive. Well, my mom, my parents yeah. live two, more than two hours away. So, you know, for me getting up, I get up in the morning, I get ready because my mom, again, like my grandmother likes to have dinner at two o'clock in the afternoon. It's not dinner. It's, you know, it's the middle of the afternoon. And so I have to get out of the house and get there. And then I usually help her. So I'm out of, out of my house before 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and then it's driving two hours plus to get there. And then it's driving two hours back at night in the dark when often they have snow up where they are. So I'm oh. kind of, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, 
I'm totally okay. And they apparently have a ton of snow right now, so I'm okay with that. I don't You're know. okay. You can have it. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, guys, um, when we come back in the new year, January the 6th, I think... Our well, if I can... If, if I can interrupt, if we got yeah, just yeah. a quick moment for one more little tradition. Oh, go ahead. Oh, um, go ahead. When I, was, when I was looking into everything for today's show, something that really popped up on my, on my searches were Christmas cards. Oh, Christmas and cards. Yeah. The, the oh. old Christmas cards from back oh, then are nothing. <laughs> Like really, we have today. Today you've got the, the Coca-Cola Santa. You've got this yeah. lovely scene of yeah. children skating on a frozen pond. Yeah. You look at these Christmas cards from oh, back then. I love it. Terrifying. I can check those out. They're right out of that, somebody's that's a show nightmare. In that, that yeah. right there. It's like, you know, today you've got Frosty the Snowman, you know, nice and lovable. Yes, and there's this one card that I, I saw that it's got this snowman and it's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. It's <laughs> See, I love I collect those. I don't know if you guys saw the Christmas, the holiday cards that I created this year. My oh, I have to check those out. Christmas. Oh, it's um, posted on, it's posted on Half Penny Dreadful's group. Okay. So if you can go and look at them, they're, yep, it's Have Yourself a Scary Little Christmas. So there's, you know, two skeletons with Santa hats on and, you know, and then there's, um, uh, have, uh, yeah, a very scary Christmas and a happy boo year. No. Little skeletons with a little ghost in the middle with, you know, like fireworks in the background. But, uh, yeah, the other one's like two little skellies with Santa hats and snowflakes. (laughs) So. So I, I love like, it. Why not? Why not do something different for Christmas? Stand out from yeah. the crowd, you know? And That's what I, and, I mean, come on, have yourself a scary little Christmas. It's there you go. <laughs> but anyways, guys, so as I was saying, and thank you, Ian, for bringing that up, because it really is, we should do a show on just the crazy Victorian greeting cards in general, right? Like, yeah, uh, yes. It, it covers everything from birthday greetings to Christmas greetings to New Year's to Valentine's. They're just, you know, maybe we should do it in February, right? Yeah. For, for Valentine's. Because there's Valentine's Day, Valentine's. yeah. That sounds great. That would yeah, be fun. But I think when we come back on January the 6th, I think we agreed that we would discuss the, um, the ghostly activity of... Uh, is it battlegrounds? The, the battlefields. The battlegrounds. The battlefields. Battlefields. So think about one that you want to pick and talk about. And, you know, we can each do one. And, and then that way we oh, pick. I've got mine picked out already. Do. Are you stealing oh, Gettysburg okay. from okay. me, Ian? No, no, no. Rachel, you are you are entitled to Gettysburg. Um, the one that I'm going to Rachel? reference is well, I've never uh, a lot closer to home. I know you have Seeker, so I wasn't sure if you were going to do that one or not. But if no one's doing Gettysburg, I shall do Gettysburg. Yeah. Okay, and and if can I can give a little spoiler, um, just to, to you know, uh, put it out there, um, what I'm going to talk about will be the uh, Battle of Chippewa. Okay. Ooh, yeah, okay. Chippewa Battlefield. Bye. I am steering clear of the War of 1812 because 
because no. I have a degree in battlefield archaeology that's completely based around the War of 1812. So I have okay. so so had enough of the war of 1812, but oh, that's just me. Um, I think actually I am going to look at something a little different. Okay. And I might, I might go to um, something like the Attila the Hun invasion. Ooh. Oh, really? Oh. Wow. Okay. That's exciting. Discuss the final moments of Attila the Hun and that whole battle and you know what happened to him and and that because uh yeah if there was ever a place for a ghost to be haunting and that <laughs> that'll be exciting that would that'll be make it, for right? some great shows i'm looking forward yeah. to it so that'll be fun so with that i guess we are pretty much done for today on down the rabbit hole so thanks again everybody for listening watching whatever it is that you do and uh you know just came along on the ride for these sort of fun, different traditions at uh, Yuletide and Christmas time and listen to us babble as we <laughs> often do, but that's okay, right? Okay. It is. And uh, yeah, everybody have a safe and happy uh, Christmas, Yule, solstice, whatever it is that you may celebrate. Hanukkah is happening right now. Diwali was a while back, but we've got all these holidays that kind of go between now and January. And uh, yeah, so whatever you enjoy, enjoy and stay safe. And remember, don't socialize outside your house. <laughs> Uh, bye bye everyone stories about you all right everyone take care Uh, merry christmas everyone merry christmas merry yule blessed yule hogmanay new year's (laughs) all the other fun things that go with it all right and we shall say good afternoon Oh, or maybe not. I don't know. Kara <laughs> <laughs> doesn't want to end. I'm That's pushing part two. <laughs> it's it. still it's I'm pushing <laughs> end meeting. Okay, let's see if it happens again. All right. Bye, everyone. This has been a presentation, been a presentation of Mrs. Mooney's Halfpenny Threadfuls. Find out more at halfpennythreadfuls.com. Dreadfuls.